Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey there, First Geners. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you're having a wonderful time with those whom you care about the most. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're at work, well, hey, you can tune into the podcast and hopefully it makes your life a little bit better and uh, gets you thinking about hunting and less about working. But, you know, don't think about hunting too much or you might get yourself in trouble or hurt or whatever else. So, you know, do what you got to do, right? But, this episode is all about doing what you got to do when it comes to setting up your stand. And we're going to talk about how that what I, that statement I just made there probably shouldn't be made as much as it is because it's kind of a misnomer. It's misleading because you don't need a stand in order to be in the right spot to hunt. And sometimes to be in the right spot to hunt means a stand would be a very bad idea. So we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about some of the philosophy, some of the rules that we kind of have for ourselves, the ways we look at the woods or wherever it is that we're hunting whitetails. And uh, we're kind of take the one of the earliest episodes that we did, stand placement, I guess we should call it now, part one, uh, which we did is like, uh, I think it was like our fifth or sixth episode on this podcast. And um, we're going to take it up a notch and we're going to, we're going to kind of hit some of our, you know, some of the stuff that we really feel strongly about within uh, this whole concept of where do you set up the hunt? Where are you going to find uh, not just animals, but a position to actually, you know, be close enough to get a kill shot? So we're going to talk all about that here in this episode. Brandon joins me again. It's just a good old-fashioned Kenton Brandon episode. And uh, speaking of good old-fashioned Kenton Brandon, have you been checking out the First Gen Hunter and the Hunt Fish Life social media pages? I sure hope you have because... Brandon's brother just tagged a beautiful buck over the last, uh, I want to say, week and a half, two weeks ago, maybe. And a nice nine point there in Delaware. Just a, just a beautiful animal. Of course, Brandon has already um, filled a antlerless tag this year. And uh, you'll see on my page that's been, well, about since the last time I recorded an episode, honestly, uh, that I filled a tag as well, a, a buck tag, my best buck yet. And so there's a lot to be thankful for during this Thanksgiving season as far as hunting goes. And then, of course, uh, far more importantly, all the other good things in life, family, and the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States, faith, and all the all the other good things that, that uh, we have in our lives. This is a good time to focus on them. But let's focus specifically through this episode on how to enjoy the great outdoors. One of the things that I'm most thankful for is that really feels like a part of my life that allows me to um, maybe fully express myself, unwind, get more in touch, become a better family man, become a better, you know, just version of myself having that outlet. So I'm thankful for that. And of course, 
I'm extremely thankful for each and every one of you tuning in. I sincerely appreciate the support that you lend me. And uh, I'm happy to be back here on the airwaves talking with you again. Hopefully, and I apologize for the long delay, hopefully things are going to be shaping up a little bit better here with the schedule, be able to be a little bit more regular with content again. And, uh, you know, I just I just miss talking to you guys. And so uh, hopefully we can get that that piece together here better soon. So without any further delay, though, let's get you on here to episode number 73, Stand Placement Part 2, good old-fashioned episode with myself and Brandon Martin of The Hunt Fish Life. Thank you again, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy. Man, it's been a long time, Brandon, and I should even say it's been a long time for our listeners, too, because by the time this baby drops, it's mm. going to be like two solid weeks since they've last been able to listen to a First Gen Hunter podcast episode, and uh, I feel like uh, I owe them all an apology because this is the time <laughs> of year when people are like, dude, give me the tips. I need to know how to hunt because... You know, I'm feeling that pressure. We're in the prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like dating in college. It's like, (laughs) man, it's all downhill from here. If I don't, if I don't find the one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know, Ken, that's a really interesting perspective that you just had there because, you know, as we, we all know that the, that the hunting season is really long and, uh, I'll be honest with you up until last year, I kind of felt very much the same way in the sense of, you know, shotgun season comes, the rut comes. Um, and if you're not, you know, if you don't get one by that time frame, you kind of feel like, oh, man, maybe I'm not going to get one. But, you know, I was talking to an older seasoned hunter. I mean, you know, he's been you know, I've been hunting for about, you know, 30 years and he's been hunting for 50 years. And, you know, last year he told me he's like, you know, Brandon. I really don't concern myself with hunting early season too much, you know, um, and then late season, he gets really excited about being able to get after him after, you know, primary rut and all that. And so I, I was like, man, that's kind of interesting. So last year, you know, we really put some time into the late season and really enjoyed it. Mm. And so it's kind of interesting that, you know, as we get into this time of year, we do sometimes, and I guess that's probably an encouragement to the first gen hunters or even the season hunters as well. You know, if, if you, you know, you're, you're, if you're like me, you're probably seeing everyone post stuff on social media, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're driving to work and you're seeing, you know, a a buck chasing a doe, but then when you're out in the woods, you're not seeing anything, you know, don't be discouraged. This is the time of year where that happens. And there's still plenty of time to get yourself a good buck. So that's, that's the encouragement to the crew out there. Yeah, that's a great point. And you're exactly right. We put that extra pressure on ourselves. (laughs) And uh, this is something that I actually talked to our good buddy, Alex Groon about just on uh, this past Saturday, we finally Mm -hmm. had a chance to catch up. It'd been a little while. And uh, I told him all about um, some good, really good news that we, that Mm -hmm. uh, if you follow, if you follow me on social media, you already are well aware of, but I, uh, (laughs) I tagged a, uh, a great buck buck um uh, great by my standards anyways my best yes. buck and uh tagged him oh, it'll be about three weeks ago now on saturday yeah. i guess already man but um I, we were talking the whole story and i was just like you know i when i shot that buck yeah. like 
it was it was just a kind of a different thing than last year. You know, last year I just had so much pressure. I think a lot of that came from starting first gen hunter, you know, which is a good thing, right? You know, first gen hunter is a, is, is a good thing. That's why we keep doing it. But by starting that, I felt like, you know, Hey, you're this guy who's supposed to be a, a new hunter, a first gen hunter yourself. That's, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I may be a step or two further down the learning how to hunt road. And so I'm going to try and be somewhat of a, you know, a guide for you, for you, the listener, if you're a first gen hunter Mm -hmm. or maybe somebody Mm -hmm. who's on the fence about hunting or somebody who is hoping to get out, but just doesn't have the information. And so I need to actually prove that I know something. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, I think you could tell though, by, if you go back and look at, who we've interviewed we've purposely obviously having brandon on the show we talked about this from the beginning that was a huge part of what i knew needed to be a part of first gen hunter we needed to have the voice of a veteran hunter somebody who did have that background of hunting since they were six years old or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, who's that's been their whole life, you know? So we, so we bring Brandon on plus we go out and we interview all these incredible hunters that have just world-class experience. And, uh, I knew that would compensate for the, you know, <laughs> the small amount of knowledge that I have in hunting, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you know, you want to prove that you're learning yourself too. And so I'm wanting to get out there, you know, and I'm just like pushing myself so hard. And, you know, I had that bad hit on that buck last year with my Mm. bow. Mm -hmm. Then, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I talked about this, but when I would go pheasant hunting, I like could not hit a bird, man. I was like, (laughs) to, to the point where my mom, I love my mom. She, she, uh, sometimes just puts me right in my spot. You know, she, (laughs) she's, She's so harmless and, uh, you know, so like, uh, doesn't, would, would never want to like make anybody feel badly about themselves. And she's like, yeah, you know, kind of carefully just like, um, Kent, do you think maybe you need to go to the eye doctor? I mean, you, (laughs) (laughs) you got that bad hit on that buck and you, uh, you keep missing all these pheasants and quail Mm -hmm. when you go out, uh, Mm -hmm. bird hunting, maybe you need to go, you know, you're getting to be 30, what, you know, I was like 31 last year. So, (laughs) so you're getting to be in your thirties now and you, you probably haven't been to the eye doctor in a while, have you? And, uh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> looking back on it though, when I saw that, so, so by, you know, bringing this back into what, what our conversation was started as, mm-hmm. you know, when the rut came and went and I didn't have a deer yet, I yeah. really felt that pressure, um, yeah. up until my last bit of bow hunting, I kind of just came to terms with it. And I was just like, you know what, man? just relax and, and enjoy it for what it is. You're not really having that much fun, you know, running around like a, a madman who, who's trying to make something happen. And that's actually the opposite of what you're doing. You're actually making poor decisions and you're, you're not, you know, you're not enjoying it for what you originally were enjoying it for. And, uh, so it came to gun season last year 
And mm-hmm. I think every every hunter who is a hunter like you and I, in mm-hmm. other words, not a strict bow hunter. There are yes. some guys out there who don't even bother with buying a gun tag. And I have yeah. nothing against them. That sure. just, I don't think that will ever be me just because I yeah. enjoy both, yeah. both sides of it, you know. And, and uh, you know, so for guys like us, when you get to that gun season, you're like, okay, you know, this is – this is the this is the time, right? This is when I gotta this is when I gotta make hay, so to so to speak. But you mm-hmm. get there and yep. I was like, you know what? I'm taking Caitlin with me, you know? I've uh Yeah. I was she she got a hunting license this year and I know that that probably hurts my chances to some degree, not because because she's gonna be out there scaring deer away, but it's twice as much, you know, human scent. It's Yep. It's all this extra gear that, that you got to plan for. And so you really got to be on your A game yeah. as far as making sure you got enough gear for everybody. You know, it yeah. limits the kind of areas you can hunt in. No single, you know, forget bringing the lone wolf along and, and trying to get yeah, on a fresh right. sign or something, you know. it's And I was like, but you know what? I just want to enjoy myself. And I think Caitlin would enjoy seeing it. And you know what? She'll get a gun tag, and maybe she get, can get a shot at something, which she almost did, yeah. by the way. And, oh, nice. uh, and, um, man, that buck that I shot last year, which, by the way, yeah, was a giant buck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Body wise, rack. Yeah. Rack right. was, he, he was very average with his rack, with a half of it that was left. And, yeah. uh, uh, but, but, uh, he walked out. And I'm telling you, man, I was like an automatic cold-blooded killer. I just pulled that 350 <laughs> legend up and just boom. It was like didn't even think about it. Was it. A, yeah. yeah, it was a perfect shot. He was done. He was done within 30 seconds. I mean, he was he was out for the count. And it was like that at that moment, I I could tell that I was hunting better because the pressure was gone. Well, then fast forward now, and I know listeners, I'm monologuing forever here, <laughs> but, but you got to hear the full story. But uh, yeah. so this year. I've just been too busy to like, mm-hmm. you know, new job, move, or fixing up a house, you know, and and uh, it, it's just been too much to really get stressed about hunting, if that makes sense at all. It's like just to be thankful for when for when I can actually get out and go, and so um, because mm-hmm. of that, because of that, I when I went out with my muzzleloader. I was passing deer just because I was like, you know what? I probably, you know, should, <laughs> should have the opposite attitude right now because I am so busy and I, you know, how many of these opportunities am I really going to get this year to get out and actually yeah. hunt? Maybe I should just take, you know, the first, uh, forked antler buck that comes across my way. But right. I, I was like, no, I just, I wasn't feeling it. And I saw, you know, a pretty nice little, uh, eight point basket rack, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, man, by nice you know that's first gen hunter standards right he was yeah, probably yeah, sure. he was probably pushing 100 inches of mm-hmm. antler <laughs> but uh you know i was like to me you know that would have been a that would have been an okay buck not my biggest but yeah. but you know not my smallest either and uh i was just like you know i'm i i kind of want to keep waiting for something better and yeah it was just a symptom of not having that pressure the Kent mm-hmm. last year would have shot that buck instantly just because I had to have a buck, you know, yeah, right. and 
And there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, but it yeah. wouldn't have been, it, it, there is something wrong with it. I will say this when you're doing it for the wrong reasons, when you're doing it right. just to try and impress somebody that, Oh, yes. you know, you can go out and kill a deer and, and that, you know, that's, if somebody looks at that eight point basket and say, man, what a nice buck. I really, or boy, all that venison, you know, and that is the right reason to shoot a deer like that. And so I was able to make that, that call and I, you know, passed on a bunch of does and, uh, another couple smaller bucks that, that, uh, just, uh, wasn't, you know, uh, uh, didn't feel like, you know, this is the, this is what I'm, I'm, you know, wanting to cash in my season yep. on. And then, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward to, I go out and, uh, Jake and I record a live podcast with Noel and then Jake and I go out and we hunt and, uh, uh, you know, in the hour into that hunt, this, this, uh, nice buck, the one that I ended up shooting just stands up and, uh, you know, the rest is history. And it was, it yeah. was a, uh, uh, a really like, again, just an automatic thing that mm. was clean. It was efficient. It was, it reflected the practice that I've put in through the years to become proficient, yeah. you know, it didn't reflect this clouded head. And then yeah, fast forward two more weekends. And I don't want to give too much away here because we're going to tell the whole stories on these two events on our next episode of hunt therapy. Yeah. But a rooster, if you follow me on Facebook or on, on Facebook and Instagram, I got a post on go wild yet, but, um, uh, the, this rooster, flushes and it was kind of a challenging shot and again it was just automatic like i had actually been hunting pheasants for seven years Mm -hmm. now (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know whereas last year it was like i couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and again it all just Mm -hmm. comes down to like you said that unnecessary pressure we put on ourselves holy cow i just did a like a 10 minute monologue there sorry everybody no but, uh. <laughs> no you're, i mean you're 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 100 right and i mean i think it is a it's a byproduct of you know the social media world that we live mm. in and yep. which is is a good thing in the sense that information is at our fingertips so we're able to listen to podcasts we're able to access information and tips and pointers um but what we also have is the is everyone else's story and uh you know when we're so busy watching and paying Mm -hmm. attention to and focusing on everyone else's story, we forget that, you know, our journey for us is the most important thing. And as we're going through that journey, it's not all about the, you know, what you shoot or the big bucks that you shoot or what it's, it's really about what you're learning. And, you know, if you're out and you're putting so much pressure on yourself that you can't truly enjoy it, then, you know, what's, what's really the point of what Mm -hmm. you're doing, you know? And so really it's interestingly enough, when that happens, you feel more stressed when you go out hunting than, than feeling less stress. And that's kind of the whole point, you know, being able to get out, get away and relax a little bit. And so if you're losing that portion of it, you're losing a huge part of what makes it so awesome. So, you know, I think the encouragement, like, you know, Kent, you're saying perfectly from a first gen perspective, you know, don't get so wrapped up you know, explore, you know, research information, you know, listen to podcasts, all that type of good stuff, but don't get so wrapped up in, in everyone else's story that you forget that, you know, the one you're writing your own is the most important and, and, and enjoy it, you know, enjoy that journey that you go through. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I love how you said that. That is a that is a very good way to to put it into perspective and to keep everything uh, with the right mindset. You're, you're exactly right, and yeah. and that is the <laughs> as you called it mm-hmm. the the drawback of social media. You know yeah. that that there are good things that go with it, but we also mm-hmm. have to keep our feet on the ground a little bit and and uh, don't be so worried about what everyone else is doing. You know, sometimes yes. I say that as a teacher to my students. Eh, you just worry about yourself. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry about right. why why they're able to do that over there. There could be a whole different situation going on behind the scenes than what we realize. Right. And you know, another that's thing right. too that I've I've said this several times. You know, we can get caught up looking at some of the the biggest names in the hunting world and. Um, I don't think there's, this is not a knock against them by any means, you know, great for them that they're, they're able to do this for their full-time job. But if you see somebody who hunts for a job and they shoot a big buck, well, good. They better, (laughs) you know, like, like, uh, you know, and and I don't want to be too flippant there, you know, and, or maybe they just shoot a buck, maybe not even a big buck, you know, Mm -hmm. but they have Mm -hmm. that success, whatever we deem that to be. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're out there, you know, during the rut, they're probably hunting, you know, nine out of 10 days. And the average guy can't do that. The average guy hunts one out of 10 days a lot of times. Right. You know, and that might even be a lot there, you know? And so we can't put, we can't put things into this unrealistic level of pressure on ourselves, but man, we're sounding a whole lot like a hunt therapy episode right now. This is, (laughs) (laughs) we just need like a nice little campfire going right now. And and, I definitely uh, do. You're right. Yeah. But no, so. The the other thing that's been a long time coming mm-hmm. is a part two to uh, one of our earliest, most popular mm. episodes. And it was a masterpiece put on by our one and only Brandon, who's on the line with me now, <laughs> uh, clear back. I think it was episode five even. I mean, it was wow. that long ago. They we're recording episode 73 right now, people. That is and, crazy. Yeah, it is. And man, has it been a ton of fun and, and uh, mm-hmm. just gives me one more excuse to uh, say how thankful I am for each and every one of you that tune in. And yep. uh, it's great to see those numbers uh, growing. Make sure you're passing around to anybody you think might be interested. We really appreciate yes. that. But no, man, it's been, you know, let me do my math here. 68 episodes since we talked about this. And, of course, it wow. works its way into all kinds of different whitetail interviews yeah. that we do along the way. But how timely is it to drop an episode right in the heart of the rut about mm-hmm. stand placement? Where do you put that stand? Where do you go and set up? How do you find deer? And Mm -hmm. that was a question that haunted me as a new hunter. And I think Mm -hmm. it still haunts a lot of people, even experienced hunters that um, maybe have, uh, maybe they've done a traditional family uh, gun season for most of their hunting career, but they've never really gotten into uh, hunting outside of that. And for a Mm -hmm. lot of places, gun season doesn't happen during the rut. Like here in uh, Iowa, gun season is, gun season is, uh, well after the rut. And, um, yeah, you know, so, uh, but now, you know, somebody in Iowa listening in might say, you know what? I I think that bow hunting sounds kind of fun, but how do I hunt deer when, you know, we're not pushing a timber or, or, uh, we're not 
you know, uh, uh, hunting our normal late season hunting ground or, you know, whatever it is that they're accustomed to. And so I think this is a question that like it haunted me, which I think is a good word for it because you just sit there and you, you see guys who have that success a lot. And we're not talking about, you know, the, the, the guys on TV anymore, just, you know, guys we work with and stuff. You just wonder how Mm -hmm. do they always find deer? How do they always seem to do that? You know? And, um, the, the, again, I'm only seven years in, I'm far from an expert people, but some, some of the things I've learned is you can definitely start getting there and, um, you can definitely get yourself into position where you are seeing deer more often when you get out and hunt than you did when you started or when, you know, the average guy who doesn't yeah. really look at it in a, any kind of a scientific way and just goes mm-hmm. out and hunts, you know, and says he never sees anything. You can get beyond that, you know? And so that's really yeah. what I, you, we, we, maybe we should call this stand placement 102 because we kind of want to take yeah. it up a level here from last yeah. time. And, um, you know, I think we should start out with the rule number one, of course, safety is always the top priority. And we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit more here in this episode. But getting anywhere, mm-hmm. access is key. Um, yeah. You don't want to ruin where you're going mm-hmm. to hunt by trying to get where you're going to hunt. And yeah. that, I have found, is one of the trickiest parts to uh, hunting. Would would you mm-hmm. agree with that, Brandon? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, one thing to consider too is, you know, when you're when you're setting stands up, you know, part of the masterpiece of, in in my opinion, one of the one of the honestly the funnest parts is being able to assess a property and plan for stands that are not just you know going to be in the early season or the late season, mm-hmm. but plan for every season as you hang stands. You know, the, the really mm-hmm. the premise, the background premises. The earlier you can hang anything, you know, prior to the key point of the season, the better, you know, and so that's, that's, that's key. Now, maybe you don't have the capacity to do that. Maybe, you know, maybe you can't do it early in the season for the entire season for different scenarios. Maybe you're, you know, kind of you're, you're late October, you're early November now, you know, and you're trying to figure things out and then you're thinking, man, how am I going to how am I going to access things correctly? You know, and, and you're, you're kind of going through this, you know, a couple, couple of pointers, couple, you know, thoughts, um, you know, with, with scent, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you see a, a, a front coming in this time of year. Um, you're thinking, man, deer could be moving on, you know, front end or back end. It's also a great time to go and put out a stand. I mean, just, mm. you know, just a, a, a real, real good pointer. I mean, I, I always love being able to, you know, get out there. Maybe you're doing a, 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 you know, work on a food plot, or maybe if you're you're in a place where you can, you know, put food out for deer. You know, whatever. I always love doing that right on the precipice of a front because it's going to clean that scent out. So as you're waiting for that front to come through, if you can just get out there right in the middle of that front, get done what you need to do. This time of year, you know, every time mm, you're going great out, great tip. Great tip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every time you're going out this time of year it's an opportunity to scout. So, I mean, that's what you're, you're always doing both. You know, if you're hanging a stand, you're also speed scouting. I mean, mm-hmm. you're mixing, you're mixing and matching the two. So if you can get out there at a, at a key point when a front's coming through, you're really going to eliminate, you know, your, your scent, the spread of your scent. And, and you're going to be able to do some of that speed scouting at the same time. So it's all about efficiency. Um, the, the, the less that you can impact the woods, you know, and, and if you can do it at a time when, 
you know, your impact is going to be lessened by a front, something like that, you're really going to increase your odds of success when we get into the heart of the season. Yeah. Yeah. What a great point. And, you know, that was something I debated putting on here. I'm glad you just yeah. covered it because as we said at the beginning of the show, you're the, uh, you're the veteran voice of reason here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Right. <laughs> and you know, you, you hear guys talking about that doing a mid season switch of a stand and, and Jake and I have actually been talking about that. He's actually at my house right now. He's uh, filling some of my uh, electrical wiring holes in the nice. walls for me right now. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, we were talking about, you know, going and putting up my lone wolf for him tomorrow to hunt. I got to work. And, and, uh, you know, I think that that is, that's such a great point. And, you know, yeah. when you, you consider what's happening in the deer woods this time of year, anyways, deer are yeah. just, if they're ever more approachable, it is now, you know, like, yeah, uh, right. because they are so, they are so, you know, uh, just, just wired differently right now that yeah. that safety is not it's just not that that top priority like it normally is and that's right and so you know they're they're able to you know kind of put that put that aside a little bit and and uh they they uh you know they they are a little more forgiving i guess you could say yes and yeah. and so yeah, it's it's good to to consider that too as far as access goes. And then of course, um I kind of go by this rule. I've just I've just mm-hmm. learned this from from again my limited experience over 7 years, right? It's not not a lifetime yeah. of experience, but one nice thing about it too is, you know, those are 7 adult years of experience where, you know, you just you understand how to like be more observant and you understand how yes. to, you know, like really take some level of data when you're out hunting. Yes. And, you know, I've just seen, seems to me that the, the way a deer operates is scent is number one to them. You know, yeah. that's, they don't have to see you. They don't have to hear you, but if they smell you, that is enough to, make them head the other direction yeah that's right then after that sight sight is uh to me sight is is almost as big of a deal as scent however Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. can if you can uh play possum when you need to play possum yeah just sit real still if if they saw you like kind of reach for your bow or something yes you can and if you know you catch a break like you know something else happens the wind picks up or something or or uh something diverts their attention to another deer or something like that then uh you can kind of break that train of thought so it's not not as drastic as a situation is as is sent but mm-hmm. you know still pretty pretty uh significant to them though they will spook yep. if they see too much movement from you or really if they can see that silhouette of a person i think yeah right you know, they that just so you know putting your hood up doing some things like yep. that that kind of changes that up a little bit i know a lot of guys well, we can talk about this a little bit when we talk about ground hunting but yeah wearing ghillie suits and and things like that mm-hmm. you know that can mm-hmm. kind of help with with that situation but um and just really good camo of course you know yep but uh another thing is sound is not that alarming to a deer i've noticed um they yep. just 
they there's a lot of noises that happen in the woods yes and you know one of the things that i'm i'm hoping to kind of perfect is hunting from standing corn (laughs) you know i live here in iowa we got plenty of that and um you know moving through a cornfield is really a it's a favorable situation for a hunter it really is uh because especially yeah, on a right. wind on a windy day um because right. there is just so cornfields are loud if you're in a standing cornfield and there's a little bit of a breeze it is a loud place to be and there's just sure. no way unless you're walking right next to a deer that they're gonna yeah. that they're gonna hear you. They're just not yeah. in, in an alarming way. They're just not gonna hear you. And even though they do have way stronger hearing than we do, it's just the 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 environmental sound that that goes with that is going to do a really good job masking. Now, if it's a dead calm day and you clang your bow against uh, the side mm-hmm. of your tree stand or something like that and create mm-hmm. an unnatural sound for the woods. That's right. Yeah. Now you're going to, and what you're going to do there is you're going to trigger the first two again. They're going to be sniffing the air and they're going to be looking at you. So, but, but I say that because I think people can get more aggressive with where they're going to hunt from, especially an access standpoint when they don't get so freaked out about making too much noise. You know, right. I, 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 I think you can get away with a lot more there. If you're going to get away with anything, it's going to be sound. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's just kind of you know some stuff to keep in mind with access, and you know use terrain features too, <clears throat> not just not just like trees, not just standing corn. Use hillsides, use valleys, use uh, dry creek beds. You know, get creative, and honestly, you feel a whole lot closer to the land. You know, you feel you feel a whole lot more like what what our ancestors were doing you know when there when there was no such thing as property boundaries and uh right. you know things like that and they were just out on the landscape looking for something to eat tomorrow and and right. uh you know use try try and be a predator you know what is a what does a bobcat do that's tracking down a rabbit in a cul-de-sac neighborhood you know, they use mailboxes they right. use <laughs> they right. use people's cars they use little uh yeah <laughs> invasive ornamental trees that we plant in our yards right. you know <laughs> yeah and bushes yeah, they to, use what they have. exactly yeah. exactly you know yeah. and so you know get get smart that way but also you know sometimes you can be hidden in plain sight too and yes. there's times yes. where i've i've used a tree line in the distance to walk down the middle of a field you right. know standing out like a sore thumb to but knowing that that's going to be my fastest yep. way in and it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be a scent advantage to get in that yep. way yeah and and also you know again even though sound as i've just said isn't the biggest thing to be concerned about it might even provide some advantage there sometimes to so yes you know just use your head and and think of those variables and try and keep them straight so Okay, all you fellow first-gen hunters, veteran hunters, and anyone else with a great big fat hunting dream that you have not yet tapped into, I'm talking directly to you right now. And this is a personal testimony. You're hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. 
and that is because I am a customer of good old Alex Gruen over at East to West Hunts. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is not a better hunt planning service in the business. Here is how thorough Alex is. I'm just going to give you that that first person testimonial that hopefully will help seal the deal for you. After I get done recording this ad, I'm going to use a promo code that Alex sent to me via text message to save me big bucks on a really nice hunting pack that I've had my eye on for months now. And uh, he just kind of came up with this promo code just yesterday, got it in the mail or something. He said, you know what? I'm going to save this for you. I know you got your eye on this pack. He sent it to me. Alex has sent me workout tips. Alex has been there around the clock from all my inquiries on different pieces of gear from sleeping bags to tents to rifle scopes and he's got connections all over the place so he he knows where to send you to get you the right stuff to not only make it so that you can get out on the hunt but you can be comfortable get a good night's sleep and hunt effectively each and every day of your trip truly maximizing the dollars spent to get there and I think that's probably the biggest value in all of this. Alex has so much experience hunting all over North America that when he sends you somewhere, you're not going there blind. No, he's going to send you to specific places within these units that he, either through his vast network with guides and outfitters or from his own personal experience, his own waypoints that he's saved on his hunting maps, that he'll share with you so that you have the best chance at being successful. So head over to www.alexgruen.com and do your hunt planning with Alex through East to West Hunts. Be sure though, when you go through and you start checking out all the options, I should say he's got multiple options there, depending on what your the right price point is for you. Be sure you enter the First Gen Hunter Podcast listener code first gen 10 at checkout when you enter that in you'll get 10 percent off of any service you purchase through alex again that's www.alexgruen.com use the promo code first gen the number 10 at checkout save yourself 10 percent and get going on that hunt that you've been putting on the back burner for all these years well here we are again attempt number three brandon Mm-hmm. What, what do they say? Third we're, time's the charm. Uh, that's what they say. Same thing applies for deer hunting. So we're <laughs> we're in good we're in good company tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is craziness. If if listeners knew, and I wouldn't mm. be mad with, or I wouldn't I wouldn't be offended if they were mad at us right now because we have taken so long to right. get another episode up. It's been probably close to a month, at least three weeks. Yeah, and. Uh, they're probably like, what are those guys doing? Did they give up on first gen hunters? Just, you know, <laughs> did they, did they ride off in the sunset? Did they fall out of their tree stand? What What's going on here? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, we've tried people. We mm-hmm. have tried to, yep. to get this done. And, um, here's, here's a quick list of, uh, of just kind of what's gone on in, in the process of getting this episode done. So the first part that you just listened to right before the commercial was done about, Oh, we're probably pushing two weeks ago now. Don't you think Mm -hmm. Brandon? Yeah. And, um, what 
the deal was there was it was kind of a bad weather day. It was really cloudy here. I do all of my internet out here in the sticks from my uh, hotspot on my cell phone, which, you know, typically works just fine. Yeah. But uh, I, I got to think it had something to do with the amount of cloud cover, maybe. Yeah. And um, it we were just having all kinds of trouble with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kept the call kept dropping. Uh, and uh, we were like, all right, this is just Brandon would go and he'd start talking. And then all of a sudden the call would drop in the middle. Of what are you saying? So it was like, all right, let's just get what we can here for the first, you know, 30, 35 minutes. And then uh, let's record mm-hmm. at a different time. Well, yeah. when it became a different time, all craziness broke loose in the Martin mm. household. Oh, dear. Every, yeah. Everybody was sick. Yep. And uh, not the, uh, you know, like sick that I am right now where you probably hear my nasally voice, my nasally <laughs> gravelly voice here because I have yet another uh, illness. But that's the kind of thing you can push through on. Yes. This was not the kind of thing that Brandon was going to be able to push through on. And <laughs> yeah, of- it was so weird. I mean, you know, it was like, you, you know, we thought it was food poisoning initially, like bad chicken, but then it was weird because, you know, kids were, all the kids were throwing up and then I was throwing up and then other people we knew throwing up. It was just like, what is going on right now? Man. So, you know, it's just that, that time of the year where random things are going on and everything. And actually, um, you know, it was just shotgun season here in Delaware. And I mean, I actually had to sit out the second Friday oh, uh, morning hunt. Like I, I, I was, I was up and I've been, you know, this year just, you know, with mentoring guys and everything, you know, it, 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 a lot of guys have been looking to me to, you know, Hey, where should I go? You know, directing and, and just different things. And so I'm like, I'm up at like three o'clock in the morning, sending text messages to guys like, Hey, I can't make it out there this morning, but Hey, go oh. here. And, and then I, I laid back down and went to almost was back to sleep. And then I realized, Oh my goodness, my one guy doesn't have a gun. I was going to give him a gun to borrow and, and oh. I'm not going to be out there. So I'm texting another guy. I'm like, hey, can you bring this guy a gun? I mean, <laughs> I mean, fortunately, everyone was very supportive. You know, everyone was really good. And, and you know, we ended up, you know, actually that morning, one of the guys ended up getting a buck, um, which was great. So I was able to, yeah. by by that time, around 9 o'clock, I, I felt well enough. I mean, I was sick the whole day, but I felt well enough to go out there and, and uh, you know, help them find it. I, I did tell them when we, we got to it, though, I said, man, I – I cannot drag this buck. I am so sorry, but I am just like, if I drag <laughs> this buck, it's, it's not going to be a pretty picture. And, uh, fortunately we had a good crew out there. So they were able to, to assist with the process, but see, that's that, what, that's what makes it great about having friends and family in the outdoors. You know, you can, uh, you have some support for dragging those deer, finding those deer, all that type of good stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just, uh, you know, you know, so, you know, Brandon and I are really sick when we uh, miss out on hunting and especially, oh goodness, yeah. especially at gun season, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we've talked about it before. I, I don't think I'm ever going to grow out of gun mm. season. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, yep. I know some guys, it's kind of like, oh, I don't gun hunt anymore. All I care about yeah. is, okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. And, yeah right. and more power to you. You know, I'm all about, if you got a way that you like doing it. And it's legal and ethical and all that go for it yeah but um i i think sometimes people say those things with this almost bad attitude towards us mm. folks who still like to 
to gun hunt. And it's like, dude, it's just fun to yeah. try a different thing. It's, you know, instead of Absolutely. doing the same thing every day. And there's no doubt about it that gun season provides unique opportunities that you just don't get to yes. enjoy when you're bow hunting and, and vice versa, right? You know, bow season yeah. provides, yeah. provides a certain intimacy within the hunting process that you don't typically get to enjoy with a gun season. So, you know, yes. That being said, gun season is a great opportunity, (laughs) especially, especially if you haven't been able to fill a bow tag yet, you know? So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, and I mean, gun season, you know, for, for me growing up, um, and even still now, you know, gun season has always represented the, like the quote unquote, you know, and, and, uh, for all the, you know, first gen hunters out there that have a little bit of experience, but, you know, especially the, the season hunters, when you say deer camp, mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of really great articles written in field and stream and, and national, you know, deer association, a lot of different places about deer camp. And I mean, yeah. deer camp means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but generally speaking, what it means is a group of people getting together and enjoying time in the outdoors together. And it could, it could be at a cabin. It could be at a house. It could be out of an RV and you're hunting a piece of property. It could be you're getting together after the morning hunt and going out to eat. You know, I mean, it could yeah. mean a lot of different things. And, uh, for me, you know, bow hunting has always been great. I've loved it, but it's been more of a, more of a, you know, solitary type thing or, oh, it's me and my brothers, you know, but, but gun season's that time where a lot of the people who don't also bow hunt, you know, they, they get into the gun hunting and you're able to enjoy more of that camaraderie. And so that's, you know what, I mean, I think the, uh, I think the, most people would agree the hunting community is big enough, um, where we welcome, you know, any sort of ethical, means of of taking you know the 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 the, you know there's it's funny on facebook you know you've got like the crossbow only group and you've got the you know the compound and and you know most of those guys i think would would still say you know hey we you know what if if a guy wants to get out there and gun hunt or a guy wants to get out there and crossbow hunt or whatever you know what hey the fact that they're getting out there and they're enjoying it that's a great thing and so it's 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 good to be supportive of all those means and good to see people get out and enjoy it yeah yeah i like that a lot. I, I think that's a that's a good way to say it. And uh, yeah, so all that to say, you know, Brandon's sick when he misses gun season. <laughs> you know, you know, he's really sick then. And yes. uh, you know, we should probably tell about the the second time when we tried to reconvene and and try yes. this again. So that was last yes. night. Mm-hmm. Start having some internet issues again or something. So Brandon started <laughs> to sound all garbled. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he was sick again. I don't know. But uh, his, his voice, his voice, <laughs> his voice started sounded pretty, uh, pretty strange. And uh, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to hang up the call and I'm going to redial you and see if that fixes our sound issue. Well, in the course of that, can't make this stuff up, people. In, no, the, in that that ten second. Oh, and I think I restarted my internet. So it was probably like a, it was mm. probably like a two minute thing. So yes. I restart my internet, and just as I'm getting ready to call Brandon on uh-huh. Skype, he texts me. He's like, "Somebody's throwing up again," and it was all over again. The 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 situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> so it's absurd, man. I mean, just in the amount of, I mean, you know, not to get not to get disgusting, but you know, for you parents out there, I mean, you ever just like 
are you ever mesmerized at, as to how much throw up can come out of your child? Like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, very, you're very small child. I mean, it's like, I mean, and, and I mean, praise the Lord for my wife. Cause I mean, she was the one that initially heard it. He was in bed. And I mean, I don't, you know, classic dad, I don't tend to always hear these things. I mean, I wasn't up there anyway, you know, I was down talking to Kent and then, my wife had mentioned, you know, one of the kids, she said, she actually said both the kids are going to be getting sick. I guess Kaylee had said that she was not oh, feeling well, no. felt like she had to throw up, but then Ethan was the one that ultimately threw up. And I mean, it is just unbelievable. You know, actually my wife ended up throwing up because she was, because of how bad it was when she was cleaning up. Oh, the throw up. I mean, that's just that's how bad it was. So yeah. it's just like, man, you know, just, I, I'm, we're hoping that, you know, going into Thanksgiving, you know, cause you're on the precipice of that. We're hoping that, uh, hopefully we'll be through all this and my goodness. So I, I have appreciated Kent's, uh, kindness and patience with everything. <laughs> And the listeners' <laughs> patience, right? No, it's no. And the no, listeners' patience. My no, goodness, I know. Thank you guys. It's it's uh it's it's no big deal here on my end, but but uh <laughs> you know we do appreciate you guys being patient, waiting around to listen to us. You know that yeah that uh I'm in a still in a big season of transition right now after our move mm-hmm. and getting settled in, getting the house ready to go. Um, I really yes. need to get some pictures up on Instagram just to show the the um progress there um yeah there's a uh uh just a really faithful follower for first gen and for hunt fish life and um give a uh, shout out to i believe his name is pronounced mr william Hegg. um i think is how you pronounce yes. his name mm-hmm. always interacting yep. with us Dude loves to get mm-hmm. out and, and enjoy the outdoors. And uh, I yeah. believe he's uh, kind of a, uh, uh, by trade, like a, a general contractor or a carpenter yes. or something like yeah. that. That's right. And yeah. uh, does great work. He has a, he has mm-hmm. a cool Instagram uh, that you can follow. Um, but uh, I think he'd probably get a kick out of seeing some of the uh, total layman, <laughs> non, <laughs> non-professional work that's been done around here. So I'll have to, I'll have to put that up and uh, give him a tag in that, but there's your encouragement. Make sure you interact with us. Yeah. I mean, you never know when you get a little there shout out, but a uh, big shout yes. out to him. He's a, he's a good man and, and a guy who uh, we're really thankful for, for, for being yeah. so faithful with following along and on both of our channels. And yeah. um yeah, so that's been a big part of it as well, getting all this work done. Baby's coming soon here, people, um, real yep. soon. And uh, that'll uh, I'll, I'll be sure to make a post there uh, shortly after that, and and uh, we're excited to to meet uh, baby girl baby girl number two, child nice. number three here in the the Boucher yes. household. So big stuff coming up, but Hey, let's talk about yeah. what I was messing around with yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. I made a little post, showed myself driving some uh, fence posts in get the old snow fence up here on the farm. Um, gets real windy across the converted prairie landscape here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get some snow on the ground, that makes for some enormous drifts. So you got to get your snow fences up around here. Yep. We got to mm-hmm. fence in. Don't just fence in the cows fencing the uh the snow as well and yeah uh, right after i got done doing that uh took the family out to one of my tree stands and uh i know you're probably like what during the rut well this farm (laughs) this farm that i hunt is mostly a transitional like like a travel farm 
there's probably mm-hmm. there i mean you know like let's say right now we're we're recording at like uh 7:45 right now if yep. uh, my time there's probably a, you know two or three deer out on the farm right now somewhere yeah. but um as we get later and later into november this farm just is not doesn't have enough good thermal cover for mm-hmm. uh deer to really be uh gutting out the coldest days and so yeah um yeah. they kind of start to move off but they still travel through of course and um uh as a result you know you can get away with a little bit more uh with messing with your stands moving around a little bit that's kind of what we're talking about tonight and so you last night drove out there put up a safety rope because uh jake hunted this stand he's the only one to hunt the stand so far this year and he said he felt like uh he was doing ninja warrior on his way getting <laughs> <laughs> up, the, up the sticks yeah. into the stand and so uh jake is a little bit lighter on his feet if you know what i mean and uh he's yeah. uh he's uh a little bit more agile than i am <laughs> so i need that extra safety rope so i i crawled up there yesterday got that all ready to go and what's cool is and i mentioned this in my post um one of the best trail camera pictures i've ever gotten just a majestic uh big old iowa buck broadside looking right at the camera which you know mm-hmm. we've talked about probably isn't the best thing but uh <laughs> um just a beautiful shot of him. i mean there's no question you can see him plain as day and mm-hmm. uh that was on november 25th of a couple years ago and uh, there were other deer moving through other mature bucks moving through around that time of year so um i thought you know maybe i'll get that stand all set up ready to go and i'll try and hunt that this week and that really kind of brings us into this part of this conversation Mm -hmm. we talked before the commercial break when uh, we were recording two weeks ago or whatever a week and a half ago all about access and that kind of thing and we really want to just talk in this second part of part two whoa now we're getting crazy of uh stand placement (laughs) stand placement part two um we really Mm -hmm. want to talk in a way that's going to be relevant to you right now what's going to help you get set up to hunt and uh so we kind of broke it down Uh, i I mean i don't want to get real basic here because i think we kind of did that in uh part one yeah Uh, but you know, it's uh, there. There's some uh, really good things to to keep in in mind here, and so obviously the first thing is, I kind of feel that using this term stand placement, not it's it's certainly not a bad term to use. I use it all the time, but I think it can be a bit of a misnomer. Would mm-hmm. you Would you agree with that, Brandon? That that sometimes that just like puts the wrong thought into somebody's head when they hear that term stand yeah. placement. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I mean, you know, it's very easy to get caught in kind of our presuppositions or our preset ways mm-hmm. when it comes to thinking about stand placement. You know, the the classic hunter out there, you know, is thinking probably about a ladder stand, mm-hmm. you know, type of setup. You're going out in the woods, you know, you're doing a fair amount of scouting, you're, you know, cutting, you know, shooting lanes, you're doing mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff that you know, quite frankly, is is part of it, but in many respects is is something, you know, something like that many times is done early season or preseason, you know, mm-hmm. stand placement, especially this time of year, can look 
and you know look like a lot of different things and so we kind of want to go through what some of that may look like and i mean it can it can be something from as simple as hey maybe you do want to get a ladder stand up and you've identified a low pressure spot to be able to do that in and you know maybe it's based on your condition as a hunter you know maybe you're a little bit older or maybe you've got you know a a disability that's you know kind of forcing you to utilize something that's a little safer which is fantastic um you know and that's and that's great or maybe you know you you're you're looking at the topography and you've been able to get kind of light boots on the ground and you're like man i've identified this as a spot that is really tight to a great bedding area and you know what i'm marking this out for a climber spot Mm -hmm. you know where where i'm you know this is there's low you know there's there's you know low you know hanging pines and you know this is going to be a great ground ground blind spot you know it it, it can look like a lot of different things and so it's important to consider that when you're talking about stand placement yeah yeah that's very well said that's exactly what i was getting at and really where i think that misnomer can be kind of almost a you know where it can kind of almost hurt especially new hunters is Mm -hmm. you do get that locked in idea in your brain Oh, I need to be doing, I need to be doing all the stuff that I hear all these other guys talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I'm really starting. I, I think, you know, last year I kept talking all the time, man, I feel like I'm getting better after talking to all these experts on the podcast, you know, these expert deer hunters. I just, I feel like I'm sopping up so much knowledge that's helping me. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's, you know, that is, I can't. I can't state how true that is. I can't overstate that mm-hmm. enough. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's been super helpful to me. But what I've started to realize at the same time is when you hear, mm-hmm. quote unquote, conventional wisdom all the time is this. Conventional wisdom is this. Yes, there is a ton of value there, and it's an excellent starting point, but you can't only worry about conventional wisdom. In fact, a lot of the best deer hunters out there, the best, not just deer hunters, best anything hunters, Mm -hmm. they they find their own tricks around that. And so if you come up with a way that works, so- Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. I go. I I knew I needed to try and get out hunting this one evening, uh, almost three weeks ago now, two and a half weeks ago. It was mm-hmm. uh, right as the rut was uh, was really picking up, getting hot. But I get home from work, and uh, the f- the guy who farms the ground here is is combining out in the field, and mm. uh, the guy. <laughs> Uh, on the other side of the timber that I was going to hunt is also combining his field. And Mm. I'm just like, wow, you know, there's, this is not ideal for hunting. There's all this racket going on. Then I started thinking, it's like, wait a minute. I have these two giant combines making all kinds of noise, working on both sides of the timber that Mm -hmm. I want to hunt. Boy, I wonder where, I wonder if the deer are just going to be like, well, folks, I guess the rut is canceled this year. It's kind of like us, it's kind of like us traveling, traveling on the holidays, right? If there's a snowstorm or whatever, well, guess Christmas is canceled. Yeah, right. We still drive, we still drive (laughs) through the snowstorm. We drive to the to the airport and sleep in yep. the the concourse while our uh uh flight gets delayed till the next day or whatever we do we do still do all the same things yeah. and so uh, i knew that that the deer were just going to have to travel through the timber and sure enough um i get there and uh, i identify i didn't have a stand out there yet i just didn't get a chance to really get one up unfortunately this late summer like i'd planned to and um 
I get there and I find this scrape, I go and check it out. I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty heavy scrape there. And uh, still just trying to look for a good spot, a good vantage point. And I find this log pile. Sure enough, I sit on the log pile. I don't have to wait long. And here comes this really nice eight point buck. And I almost got a shot at him. I had him at 25 yards, but uh, nice. he went right when I needed him to go left. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's because I'm some kind of bow hunting genius. We all know that's not true because guess what? I haven't tagged my first archery uh, animal yet. And uh, it's, it's coming though. I know. You're I just gotta, close. Yep. Yep. Gotta, gotta wait. But my point is, you don't really hear about that anywhere. The, the closest you'll see is maybe some guys on YouTube that do some really aggressive hunting techniques. You know, I'm thinking maybe like some of the hunting public guys that do a lot of ground hunting. Yeah. Tony Treach, mm-hmm. obviously, we've had him on the show. He's a really aggressive ground hunter. He would probably do, you know, he he would have he would have tagged that deer though. That's the difference between between, <laughs> between him and me, right? And the same thing for the hunting public guys. But you know, it was just something that made sense at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where this can be a misnomer. And yeah. I think Brandon really, or where that misnomer can hurt us. And I think Brandon really drove that home there, where he talked about that. So don't get in there and don't feel the the. <laughs> I don't really don't know how else to describe it, but you almost feel like this peer pressure from social media, what you see all the quote unquote experts doing all the time. Right. Yeah, or all the, right. all, all the, there are, there are plenty of true experts on there. We've had been fortunate enough to have a lot of them on our show, but there's also yeah. just guys out there that are pretending to be that way. And, yeah. uh, you, you know, they found a method that works for them. Great. But yeah, find what works for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. and put those pieces together, find what makes sense and, uh, you know, get after it, you know, yeah. and a couple of rules before we kind of move on from this idea of, of dealing with this, what, what stand placement is, you, you know, there's, there's a couple of rules that I feel you need to, to keep in mind. And so rule number one, is safety first, right? And uh, sounds almost kind of cliche or whatever. Oh, of course, you have to say that. That's true. You know, you don't want to, it's not worth putting yourself in a dangerous situation just to try and, and tag a deer. Even if it's the world's yeah. biggest buck, if you fall out and break your neck, who cares, right? Yeah. The, the, your health is far more important. So stay safe, wear that harness, do what I did with putting that extra safety rope up there, whatever yeah. it takes to. Make sure you're coming home to your uh, those who care about you. You know each yep. each and every time after after you're done hunting. So that's number one. But then the second thing is, this is part of like what I was talking about with with my log pile situation. I used to be so focused on having what I needed to be comfortable while I was hunting. And uh, I actually just wrote an article that kind of included something that along these lines for uh, the Iowa Sportsman's Magazine, I, I wrote an article on it's It's coming out. So this is a little uh, spoiler, I guess. Um, uh, it's coming out here any day now, really. And nice. um, the thing I said in there, I had a line where I said, there's no question that no matter what it is that we're doing in general, we are better at it when we are more comfortable. And that's true, but to an extent, 
right? Because if yeah. we bring all the comforts of home into the into the deer woods with us, we can really be weighed down by that and even limited by that, right? So I used to Yeah, right. The 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 first, I don't know, 5 years that I hunted, um I'd say 4 out of those 5 years so like my first year, I'm not going to count because I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just wandering around. But but the the years after that, one of my things that I came up with to help myself was uh, always having a five-gallon bucket to sit on. I did a lot of ground hunting, and I thought, mm-hmm. you need to have something to sit on so you can see up higher. And man, what a pain in the neck that thing was to carry around everywhere. It was <laughs> right. loud. It was... It was just a, it was a, is an anchor and, uh, you'll be happy to know I've, I've long since ditched the bucket and I've <laughs> cut down the amount of stuff I bring into the field to a very small amount of things. You know, I still am a strong believer in wearing your comfort, you know, like, right, so yeah. have the right amount of layers, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right footwear. But beyond that, you got to kind of, a line that I use to describe this theory is I'm slowly learning that being comfortable while hunting and big bucks rarely intersect. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and you could apply it to so many things. Oh, you know, it used to be, oh, I got to find a place where I can set this bucket down on the ground quietly and I can right. see. Well, that might mean that you're not going to see anything because you got to go sit over there when you really should be sitting 200 yards over there, you know, and whatever. But you could be, oh, you know, I really like being able to sit on this down tree here. That's a lot more comfortable and easier to sit on than sitting on the ground for the next few hours. Yeah. Or I I really want to put my stand, my hang on, if you're doing a hang and hunt, it's like a lone wolf or something. I really want to put it in this tree because it leans this way, which will allow me to kind of sit back a little bit. Whereas the tree that's like really close to the trail or the, the, that busy scrape kind of leans forward. I'll be kind of leaning forward in the stand. It just won't be as comfortable to sit like that. You know, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta kind of be willing to, to, you know, deal with it. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And once I start doing that, man, the number of opportunities I've gotten to enjoy, you know, as yeah. a result is it, 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 it I, I definitely think it, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on a trend, you know? Yeah. So I'd say that's another good rule. Do you got any other rules, Brandon, that you would put in, you know, just in general when you're choosing a spot set up? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think it's interesting when you look at, at, you know, different points of the season. And I, I, I think as a hunter, probably one of the biggest tips, you know, is that scouting, I mean, scouting literally never stops. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's probably the number one thing for, for being able to be versatile and uh, the, the adaptability that's needed to really capitalize and be successful. Um, you know, hunting is no different than, Pretty, pretty much anything else in life. You know, if you're going to be successful, you've got to adapt. Um, you've got to understand that things change, you know, it, it, to, to use a very basic example. I mean, if you're hunting that field stand, 
you know, that, man, maybe, you know, here in Delaware, you know, the season starts in September. So, yeah, maybe maybe September 7th, that field stands really great. You know, you, you've, you're coming off of a season where the deer have not been pressured for months on end. And, man, hey, there's there are soybeans in the field and it's looking good. Well, a month later when that is harvested and there's now some pressure and now the deer are transitioning away from their summer food source. Well, if you're going to just sit there in that same old stand, you know, your your chance chances of success are going to dramatically you know, mm-hmm. be reduced yep. in the same way. You know, you're as you're, as you're going through the season, you're recognizing that the deer woods are changing. They're constantly changing. Yes. And so your ability to just do something different, let me give you an example. So this, uh, this past week, you know, I had, we were blessed to be able to, you know, uh, my brother was able to harvest a, a nice deer and what he did, uh, interestingly in that hunt, we, this piece of property that we had hunted, you know, it was actually fairly pressured recently just with the season upon us and yeah. a lot of the big deer that we were seeing and <clears throat> just number of guys that we have hunting the, the few hundred acres that we have. And uh, what he decided to do this particular day was, you know, we, we have a sanctuary area on the property and uh, where, which for, you know, first gen hunters, you know, or those who are kind of curious, you know, this area is really uh, all it means is you, you're setting aside a specific it could be as small as a couple acres. It could be as large as, you know, many acres. And in, in, in our case, you know, it's about a 20-acre piece that we really don't um, hunt a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. to, to you know, funnel the deer to that area. What he decided to do that day was to just hunt off of a off of a well-known stand location about 100 yards. You know, just went 100 yards in the woods, and he sat down in the woods. He looked at the topography, and, I mean, in the morning, went in there very quietly and got into that thick edge and waited. No one else on that property saw deer that morning, but he saw five bucks and several does and, and ended up taking a nine point, you know, and, and that's sometimes what is needed. You you know, it, it, you could say, man, it's four o'clock in the morning. I need to get up into a stand. I need to get in the woods. Yeah. I'm just going to go in that same old stand or it can be, you know what? I, I've I've scouted enough. I've studied enough topography. I know the property well enough to say, you know what, I'm going to try something different. Yep. And so if I if I had to just give any you know hunters a tip related to stand placement, always be thinking about the next best place to hang a stand. And a lot of times it can be. Here's another tip. A lot of times it can be just adjusting an existing setup 50 or 60 yards. You know, yeah. it can be like, you, you know, you've and, and this a lot of this, too, is, you know what, as as the you know, we're, we're always growing. You know, one thing that's always growing, too, is the woods, you know, the woods around you, you know, the 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 thickness, the thick edges, the the pines, the oaks, the the, the way that, that you see the woods is always changing. Yes. And especially a year or two as it passes, man, it really changes. If, if you've ever gotten up into a stand that maybe you haven't been in in a couple of years and you're like, wow. I mean, like the view has really changed. And so sometimes, you know, I know we've had, we've had experiences where, you know, we've set up a stand and a couple of years in, it's like, man, that thick edge that we were kind of shooting for has kind of drifted mm-hmm. a little bit. And we need to reset that 50 or 60 yards closer because you know what, anyone who's hunted big bucks, you understand that big bucks usually do not make it easy for you to kill them. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. They're not just easy. serving you up. No. No. I mean, yeah. Hey, we've all, you know, if you hunt long enough, you, every 
every now and then you'll get something served up on a silver platter, but that does not happen very often. You know, it's usually you're, you're grinding it out. I mean, they are working those thick edges. They are working those dough bedding areas come this time of year. You've, you really, you're, you're playing the wind. You're playing the positioning, right? You're playing entry, right? Just like we talked about before. You're doing all of that. That just right. And so, you know, if I had to say something, you know, always be always be on top of and excited about where you could change an existing setup, where you could add an existing setup. Sometimes, too, you might have an, you might have a setup uh, that is that's that's, you know, 80 yards apart. And you know what? Stand one may be for a west wind and stand two may be for an east wind. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that thick edge runs through runs through there just right, you may hunt one or the other. And it's only 80 yards apart. And would, would I really do two setups for that? Well, yeah, you might, it, depending on your prevailing mm-hmm. winds and depending on what's set up in there, you might actually do, you might actually have two setups that are that close. Of course, you'd never hunt them, you know, you never hunt your buddy and you wouldn't hunt that at the same time, right. but you're giving yourself options. And so, and, and what all that does too is it allows you, depending on the, on the situation, it allows you to keep your footprint on the property that much lighter, which by, an, you know, exchange is going to give you more opportunity through, you know, Ultimately, every time you put your feet on a property, it's going to impact that property. And your job, your goal is to impact it as little as possible each time you're on it. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully that's a helpful kind of pointer to always be in that mode of learning and scouting and thinking and kind of getting excited about that prep work. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that I've realized in my hunting career is the older I've gotten and the more mature I've gotten as a hunter, the more that, and, and I don't mean this to sound any bad way, but the the more I enjoy the prep work and the less I enjoy the hunting in the sense that, you know, you enjoy the the chess game, you enjoy the yeah. strategy, you enjoy all of that. And because when it all comes together, it makes the moment of success that much sweeter. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, so so embrace the embrace the challenge, embrace the, the 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 chess game, so to say, and and always be always kind of have that mode of mind in play when you're out there in the woods. Very well said, as always, <laughs> you know, just, uh, so, so well, so well put and something that I think you'll see more and more of as you hunt more, you'll see that change that Brandon's talking about. You'll, uh, mm-hmm. it, it'll, it's almost like you, you know, do you remember Brandon? We went to the same college. We probably took the same class. I think mm-hmm. it was like a, a classic gen ed or, you know, senior level yeah. classes like philosophy or something like that. Yes. And uh, one of the phrases they always talked about was like, it wasn't just unique to our college. I think this is a common philosophical phrase or whatever, but your world, you know, looking through the world through ruby colored glasses or whatever the the saying is, you know, it's yes. like, yes. It, it's like you, when you're first getting started hunting, the glasses that you're looking at the, the deer woods through is stimulus over, like you're overstimulated, right? You're looking like yes. you, you feel like there could be a deer literally behind any tree, you know, and there mm. could be, you know, everything here is meaningful in some way. I don't know how to put it yes. all together. And then year two comes and you're still kind of in that mode. Year three, you're still, you, you've maybe learned a few tricks you're, you know, you're starting to kind of look at things a little bit differently. I'm telling you by year, you know, five, six, seven, 
just hang on because it's going you're going to get there if you're if you're really paying attention and you're going to start looking through a new set of glasses that filters out the fluff you know because there's a lot yes. of fluff in the deer woods that yes. yes it's important in some way shape or form but you can kind of turn your attention away from old sign from yes. stuff where deer just never there are places where deer are just almost never going to be i won't say never yeah you know yeah but almost right. never going to mm-hmm. be within within a hunting area you know what i mean yes. just for yes. for a whole long list of reasons and yeah. you'll start to develop that ability to see that and that changes throughout the season you know like i think you put it so well when you're talking about just how much a harvest season changes how deer are going to use the landscape, you know? Yeah, and, right. And uh, I think that that is a huge rule that Brandon mentioned. Look at things from a scope of it may be this way today, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's going to be this way tomorrow. That's and, right. And uh, instead, that's where that long-term data starts to pay off where you're collecting trail camera pictures for years. You're, you know, hunting a certain property for years because then you start to see, okay, when do these changes typically happen on this property? When do these shifts take place where right. uh, things get get all uh, turned around and so forth? So excellent point, Brandon. Yeah, that's great. Well, you started to allude to it a little bit there. You start mm-hmm. talking about what's going on this time of the year. And uh, yes. well, here we are. We're kind of on the back end of the rut. And uh, there's yes. still... Plenty of rutting activity going on. Saw a nice little basket rack trot across the road in front of me on my way to work this morning. He came all the way across pretty much an open uh, picked bean field. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you could tell he was cruising in towards some doe bedding there. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's on the prowl again. And so, uh, you know, kind of go through that. Guys talk about that lockdown phase, and really, I think that we're. If you follow uh, Spartan Forge, by the way, that app just keeps getting better and better. And uh, I think they kind of had that lockdown phase kind of scheduled, at least in my neck of the woods. It's going to be, of course, a little bit different depending mm-hmm. on where you're at, but kind of was going on a little bit this last uh, last few days, last week or so. You know, a lot of bucks have are tied up with those there for a, for a, you know, 24, 48, maybe even yep. up to 72 hour period where they're just not really moving very much, yeah. but uh, the, that's kind of shaking back loose here again. And there's still plenty of deer out there that are still uh, enjoying the rut. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, there's plenty to be hopeful for here and you got to hunt yes. it that way. And so, where do you go now from a standpoint, stand placement, uh, uh, you know, point of view when we're looking at the rut? And I think you even mentioned this, Brandon, find that doe bedding, right? Yeah. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you know, there's, if there's, if there's, you know, one, you know, huge tip, you know, reference to how you're going to find the bucks and, 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 you know, let me preface this by saying too, you know, every hunter has different goals. You know, mm-hmm. one hunter may say, look, my goal really isn't to shoot a big buck. My goal is just to fill the freezer. You know, I'm, yep. I'm content with those. I'm content with, you know, and Hey, that's, 
that's great. You know, there, there's room in the hunting community for different types of goals, and that's awesome. Um, for some of us, the goal may be, man, we want to fill the freezer, but we also, man, we'd love to be able to tag a, a bruiser if we can. I mean, I, a lot of us, I think, view that as an opportunity for growth to be able if I can tag a, a mature buck, man, that's that is that is something that that as a as a hunter and as someone who wants to continue to be better at things and grow in our level of understanding, you know, it it, it kind of is it's kind of along that line of you know conquering and accomplishing and all of that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, one of the kind of one of the the big points of what to look for are those doe bedding areas. And interestingly. Uh, uh, Kent, you just mentioned a little bit ago, just reference to how the property that your home is on now, it, it doesn't tend to hold a lot of those, a lot of those deer during those cold months, you know, it doesn't act as a real, you know, big doe bedding area. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and that's, that's big. That's important to recognize that. And, and, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of great stuff out now. And I know Kent, you've even done some stuff to amplify, you know, different properties that you guys have in an effort to improve cover or improve habitat, different things like that. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that you can do. And, but part of it too, is understanding limitations of the property that you're on and understanding um, maybe how to improve it or understanding Hey, this is the key. This time of year is the best time of year to hunt this property. And so, you know, as you get into this time of year, if you can identify those doe bedding areas, I mean, a classic, classic setup is is a thick edge bordering a doe bedding area. I mean, mm-hmm. you will just find bucks cruising along a thick edge next to a doe bedding area. It's like the classic scenario in every hunter's dream yep. where they are set up. In a, with a proper wind on a thick edge next to a doe bedding area because buck and the beautiful thing about that too is you could catch a buck any time of the day yeah. going by an area like that so and and that's the cool thing you know you're not you're not set up you know just on a on a on a you know food plot on a feeding area that you're that you're going to have maybe uh action early and late on a thick edge along a doe bedding area you could see action all day long at any point and so you know a couple factors with that you know number one you've got to make sure your wind's right that's huge mm-hmm. you know because um the only thing the only thing that's more annoying in, in terms of you know smarter than a than a mature buck is sometimes a mature doe <laughs> and yeah. uh you know yep. of course we understand too that does tend to travel together you know if they're not being um harassed by a buck um does by nature early season of course you're going to see the 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 young with their mothers you know, this time of year and later you're going to see doe groups traveling together. You know, if you're, you're probably getting trail cam pictures of groups of does traveling together at night, feeding different things. Mm -hmm. So what that does is that amplifies their ability to potentially bust you. Right. (laughs) So you've really got to be smart. You got to think like that, you know, because you're not just playing the wind for the buck that is checking those doe bedding areas. You're playing the wind for the does that are in the bedding area. Yeah, that's um, a great so point. So something to consider on that, you know, because it's very easy to get, you know, very single-minded. Um, and quite frankly, just speaking honestly, we've probably all had a situation where a mature buck was downwind of us and maybe didn't bust us, 
this time of year. And and this is that time of year where you can sometimes get away with it. It's not that you should try to get away with it, but sometimes it does happen where a buck will circle around and man, he didn't win me. That's kind yeah, of weird. Definitely. Well, yeah, he's on a he's on a string. He's he you know, he's really actively engaged in you know, smelling that estrus and, and pursuing things. But does, we all know that old doe that just looks at you, you could be 50 feet up in a, in a tree and that deer is like five foot from the tree. And somehow that doe literally puts its head straight up yep. and busts you, you know, I mean, it, we've all been there. So just some things to consider, you know, that, you know, don't get single minded, single track focused on, man, I'm pursuing that buck that could be working that edge. You're also considering, you should be considering the deer that are in that edge and and what you need to do to make sure that you're successful to keep them there. Because that's another big part of it too. Um, one of the things, one of the best things that you can do, if you've got doe bedding areas on your property, one of the best things you can do is facilitate food sources and different things, pressure, you know, limiting pressure in those areas to, to make sure that the does stay on the property. If you can keep the does on the property, you're going to be able to keep the deer, the bucks traveling yeah. on your property. And that's the key. You know, if you're if you're if you're brash with the pressure, if you're brash with not really paying attention to the wind, you're going to blow those deer out of that area and and by extension now you're limiting your ability to be successful with a mature buck. So yep. it, it it's kind of see how these are building blocks and thinking about not just one item, one, you know, one, you know, block in the building, but thinking about the whole house of cards, you know, really can help you be successful as a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Again, great point. And, uh, yeah, the, the, you almost have to hunt the doe as well. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. just, uh, yep. it's, it's a good way to put it. Even if that's not your target, they are just so much more, I mean, no matter what, it's just, it's mm -hmm. always easier to fool a buck than it is a doe. You know, I, yes. if, if I had mm -hmm. to, if I had to outsmart a seven and a half year old buck versus, uh, uh, you know, a, a three-year-old doe, I'll take the buck any mm -hmm. day. <laughs> you know I mean? They're right. just yeah, so right. cautious, so leery, mm -hmm. and yep. they don't get that rut mentality near light. I mean, they'll, those will, will be a little bit crazier too during the rut. Yes. Don't get me wrong, but, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, uh, th they don't get that rut brain quite like, yes. like bucks do. And, yes. and, uh, yeah, that is just a fantastic point. You know, you know, one other thing that I, I want to put on this before we uh, put a bow on, on the rut here and get ready to close us out talking a little bit about post rut hunting. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this at the beginning of this show. You can start to feel that pressure that comes from hunting, going through the rut, and things just aren't going well. Yeah. And uh, you can almost just start to really, I don't know, get in kind of a melancholy mood as a deer hunter, which kind of violates the purpose main purpose of hunting which is it is fun it's a it's a yeah it's, it's a pastime right it's a hobby mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. it, you could say it's a way of life for sure uh, for all of us but it, it's also a fun thing and so you don't want to get to that point so what can you do well you can take a break yeah. go and do something else i love to get out and just pheasant hunt on occasion in november i do most yeah. of my pheasant hunting in december and january mm -hmm. but 
I'm not against getting out. And now, don't be don't be dumb. Don't go and hunt. You know, <laughs> right by that doe bedding area that, right, that, that Brandon right. was just describing. You know, don't don't do something dumb like that and and cause all sorts of chaos for yourself. But go and hunt far from there. You know, go and hunt those areas that were hot in October and are now dormant until next October, you know, just, just go and hunt those areas. Cause pheasants, they, yeah, they like some of the same places that, that uh, deer do and quail do as well, but they also like places that deer have no business with, you know, for, right. For a a long part of the season. So, you know, get out and do something or go waterfowl hunting or go squirrel hunting. You know, I know Brandon has that tradition that's coming up here in uh, just a couple of days where he likes to get out and do a little squirrel hunting on Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. you know, give yourself a little break, find a different target, build up some of your confidence and your skills as a woodsman and as a, as a hunter. And, and, uh, you know, that can really, that little boost in morale can do a lot for your deer hunting. And it really helped me last year. You know, it it really helped me to get out and do that. So, and I was having a tough season last year. So, yes. uh, I I would do that. And plus, you never know what you're gonna turn up while you're doing that, right? You're gonna see. I've seen tons of big, some of the biggest bucks I've ever seen while pheasant hunting. You know, so yes. So you can you can see what deer are kind of up to a little bit, and you might be surprised at what the view from you know a quarter mile away from where you're favorite rut stand is what your uh, intel you're gaining from that and uh, you can uh, then capitalize on later on so yeah lot to be lot to be gained from that for sure yes yeah i love i love that i really love what you just said there kent too just about about taking the break because you know it can it once again you know you ever you ever feel like this as a hunter i know i have you know in this social media world you feel like man i am literally the only person yeah. not getting a buck not yes. seeing deer and uh you know obviously just and we all know this but i mean just like regular social media of course um for the most part people post on these hunting you know pages and whatnot about their success, you know, which yep. great, you know, people want to share that and, and people want to cheer each other on. That's great. But, you know, for every hunter that is, that shoots a, a buck, there is another 50 or a hundred or more that are going out there and they're putting a ton of time in and they're not, you know, seeing it. Right. Um, and so I love what Kent said there because, you know, it's the season's long, you know, whether you've got, uh, whether your season's from September through January or whether it's October through January, whatever, it's long. And just because you're not seeing them now or you're not, maybe, maybe in your neck of the woods, the rut wasn't, man, it wasn't like that classic, man, you had that seeking, chasing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, to, you know, things quieted down and then you got a kind of a second wave. Maybe you didn't get that and that's okay because, you know, it's not a fairy tale. You know, it, things don't always happen exactly how you want it to. There's still a lot of season left. And so sometimes it's about taking that mental break, getting yourself help, getting yourself healthy again mentally, and then getting back after it. Because, you know, and, and Kent, you mentioned this a little bit ago, too. If you're, you know, if you're pressuring yourself so much to, to the point where you're not enjoying it or, or, you know, maybe you're like, man, it's that time of year. I just got to be out there and you're out there every day and you're just you're just running yourself ragged and you're not spending time with your family or you're not, yeah. you know, you're not balanced. I mean, you know, when you finally are successful, you're going to find yourself thinking, man, I'm glad I, I'm glad I was successful, but 
boy, at what cost did it right. come? You yep. know, and so it's always good to do a gut check. I mean, I, I've been there many times, many, many times, and uh, it's good to kind of assess yourself. And you know what? Understand. You know what? It's okay. You know what? I don't. I mean, here's the thing too. We all have to remember, getting a trophy deer does not make it fun. <laughs> that's not what ultimately makes it fun. It's a great reward for the work that we put in, but that's not ultimately what makes the activity of being in the outdoors fun. Right. And so that, that's something to consider because the only reason you're doing it is to, and really this is a great thing to really, you talk about, you know, deer hunting theology. You know, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, <laughs> before, but if, but really, really think to yourself, if the, if the main reason you're hunting is to be able to get a picture so you can then post it on social media. And I'm, I'm talking to all of us, you know, yeah, you know right. younger people that, that have a propensity to want to, you know, want to send messages to tell people that we're good at things. And, and, you know, we, there's all of that that goes on with social media. Try to get away from that. You mm-hmm. know, there's nothing wrong with posting that and, and, and being proud of what you get, but you know what? Also be proud of the time that you put in. And, and sometimes it's not, you know, the, the success and your growth as a hunter is not as much about, what you do shoot, but about what you don't shoot, you know, that you could be that hunter that, man, you had, you had three chances at a, at beautiful two and a half year old bucks and you decided to pass because you know what, as a hunter, you're, you're like, you know what, they're going to be great bucks next year. I mean, that, that shows a lot of growth. Maybe someone else, man, they were able to take a really solid two and a half and they're showing it off, but, but no one else knows that what you did as a hunter is, is, is helping. Yeah. Maybe yourself or maybe someone else, who the next year is going to get a chance at that. So, you know, consider that as you're going through the season, understand it's a long season, understand a break is okay. And I mean, honestly, Kent, when you said that, I needed that, you know what I mean? I needed to hear Mm. that. So I appreciate your encouragement. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think it's important to keep that in mind and, and not feel that panicked rush of, yes, of something's getting away on us. You know, Mm -hmm. hopefully we all have many, many deer seasons ahead of us. And, and, uh, you know, if you start learning to prioritize those best days, not just Mm -hmm. every day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the days Mm -hmm. that make the most sense to be in the woods and you're able to get out for those, you're gonna have success at some point. So just gotta be patient. It's you're playing a long game when you're in deer hunting, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot that goes into, to becoming successful. And one of those things that goes into it is patience. So yeah, taking, taking a break helps you build that patience, helps remind yourself that, you know, you're doing this for, uh, more pure reasons than just going out and, and getting some clout on social media by, by, uh, you know, tagging a big old slob or a, or a little bitty buck or whatever it is. It's not a good enough reason just to try to show off to, yes. to get out there and you're going to create so much more pressure for yourself by doing so. So, yep. Get out, yeah. take a break. If you need to go hunt something else, remind yourself why it's just the whole picture of it is fun, you know? So, yes. Well, Hey, before we wrap this one up, this man, this has just been a great conversation. A lot, a lot yeah. here that I needed to hear as well. And, uh, just, uh, some, some really good tips here as we close the season out, but you know, uh, post or post rut is coming up here, you know, not too far off. You know, we're getting into December yes. here in the next week or so week and a half, I guess maybe. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a time of year that can be 
maybe like people feel, uh, I'm out of hunting mode at that point. I don't really want to go out anymore. I want to think about other things, which is fine. But maybe you are that person that's like, no, I need to keep grinding it out here and get myself into position to still uh, fill a tag yet or fill another tag. Um, whatever the, the reason is that gets you out there, it can be kind of a challenging time of year to hunt, but it can also again, if you can put the common sense stuff together, it can make it much more doable. And I know Brandon, you spent quite a bit of time last year hunting the late season, just based on how your season kind of unraveled last year. But, um, you know, I'm going to start with saying you got to prioritize cover first and food Mm -hmm. second. If you are in a place like Brandon and I am where there's plenty of cropland and therefore yes. food really is not much of a limiting factor during the the late season because there's going to yeah. be food on the ground somewhere for these animals. But maybe you're tuning in, you're from Minnesota, you're from New England, you're from uh, uh, Northern Wisconsin or something like that. You know, you're not really an ag country. And, uh, you know, it could be parts of Pennsylvania, some of the more mountainous parts of Pennsylvania. What do you do then? Well, cover is still super important, but now food does become more important. You know, they gotta yeah. go, they gotta have calories. So finding those little pockets, maybe a yarding area that might still have some green food cover on the ground, you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, then food can be much more of a priority. But if you're in an area like Brandon and me, my rule is, cover first food second and if you can find a place where those two things are within you know we'll say a half mile of each other right then you're uh now now you're in a good spot you know so brandon you got any rules to go along with along with that for this post rut time of year yeah yeah for sure i mean you know I, th- I think one of the biggest things that can help hunters this time of year, wh- you know, as we get into post rut and, and late season, um, being being purposeful about taking a break. I know we just mentioned taking a break, but actually being purposeful, not just from a healthy you standpoint, but from the standpoint of allowing deer to reset, you know. Yeah. And so it's actually a good thing to give deer a little bit of time. You know, when you consider you know, in Delaware, for instance, and Delaware is a very small state. So, I mean, when I when I mentioned the population, the deer population in Delaware, most hunters that hunt like Midwest or, or even some southern states, they would literally, they would laugh. They would really get a good <laughs> laugh out of this. But Delaware has a population, a deer population of approximately 30,000 deer. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket compared yeah. to Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, especially states, Wisconsin. I mean, hunters, yeah. I mean, hunters harvest hundreds of thousands of deer a year. I mean, so it's, it's, it pales in comparison, but for the size, you know, comparatively speaking for the size, you know, it, it draws a good comparison Yep. in Delaware, the deer population of 30,000, approximately half of that population is harvested every year. So approximately 15,000, 15 to 16,000 deer are harvested every year. Um, and then, you know, most of those deer are taken by the end of, of November shotgun season. So, You've gone from the beginning of the season of 30,000 deer to now 15,000 deer. I mean, and you still have, I mean, the rest of the, you mean, this is, this is late November. You still have all of December and all of January to go. And now you've got 
half of the deer population. So not only has all have all of these deer been hunted and the pressure been high and they've been shot at and all of that, but now they're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they've gone through this very trying time. And, and on top of that, now they're, they're getting ready to go into the cold season, which is what happens, you know, post rut. So post rut, you know, picture, picture a deer coming, you know, from the, you know, it's been cool, it's getting cooler, but now it's getting cold. And so deer have been running ragged. They've lost a lot of weight from rut. And now they're sensing their need to pack that weight back on so they can get prepared for the winter. So being able to kind of get out of there for a few weeks, give them some time. Now, obviously, if you if you're patterning a deer and you're strategically hunting, I mean, hey, great. I, about a little bit ago, every situation's different. You know, you, you obviously take advantage of what, and, and, you know, based on your time and what you can do, take advantage of that. But if you can, I know one really well for us is, is kind of giving deer in the month of December, at least here, you know, I know a lot of Midwestern states, you've got gun season that comes in December and that's great. Depending on how the season falls for you, if you can give them a three or four week break within that time frame, what I've noticed is it dramatically improves your ability to then see them during daylight in the late season. Hmm. So if you drive them into the ground, you know, you keep pushing, you're going to realize that, you know, that last month or six weeks of the season, it's hard to rebound and get them during the daylight. But if you give them a strategic break, especially at that window of time where it's beginning to get very cold and they're going to need to really start packing on that weight, you're going to set yourself up for success as you get into that late season. So it works out great. great point. I mean, it's a double break for you. It's a break for them. And it's just setting you up to be more successful come the late season. So that's something that I've tried and true that I've really seen to, to, to be effective. And I think probably even more so would be effective in the Midwest and some of those states that really get, I mean, you know, in Delaware, if it's in the twenties, I mean, it is cold, you know, Midwest. I remember when I lived in Wisconsin, I mean, if it was in the twenties, you practically were wearing a t-shirt. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember days where you'd see, man, it's warm out. How warm is it? 22 right. degrees. Right. Like... <laughs> I, mean, I remember moving to North Carolina after college in Wisconsin and literally putting my office on the AC when it was 45 degrees outside. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just crazy how your body adapts to everything. Yep. So, I mean, even more so in those really cold states where the deer are really going to be pounding those food sources. If they sense that pressure is lifted, man, you're really going to be getting more of those daytime pictures. And that's a beautiful thing about trail cams and late season as well. Man, if you've got those food sources, and, and this is a whole nother thing altogether, but if you can, if early season, if you can be thinking not just about the alfalfa and the clover plots, but also the the oat plots, the, those winter wheat plots, some of those types of things that are going to, yeah, they, they may not yield you benefit early season, but come late season when those deer are looking for food sources, oh, that yeah. is going to be where they're at. So sometimes even thinking early season for late season, you, you know, I, I, one of my favorite things is to re-inventory deer after gun season, because what's really exciting about that is if deer have made it through the gun season, there's a great chance that you're going to either have a chance at them late season or they're going to be around for the next year. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really exciting thing to me. And so to be able to re inventory and then have food sources strategically planned and then to knowingly, you know, Hey, maybe you've got your cell cam set up over those food sources and you're just backing out 
I mean, you're having those pictures sent to you once a day. Battery is saved. You know, you're you're pretty good. You can stay out of there. Then you just watch. I mean, yeah. then you just watch. I mean, maybe two weeks goes by and you're getting some daytime pictures. Boom, jump in there with the right wind. You're going to, you're good chance you're going to get an opportunity. So some of those, you know, just kind of, you know, hunting, uh, maybe, maybe smarter, not harder type of deal yeah. set up. That's going to help you be successful. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, same rules apply, right? The, and the trail cameras are just confirming this, but find yes. that hot sign, you know, find yes. those. I, I remember last year when Caitlin and I went hunting together, we noticed that all the fields had been basically turned over because of, uh, uh, it was a year, I think it's on like an every other or every third year rotation where on this farm, um, they inject anhydrous ammonia into the soil, basically put nitrogen back into the soil for next year's crops. And yes. when they do that, it's almost as if they till the field the way that works. Mm. And yes. so what it does, is it turns you know, these wintertime food sources with grain litter all over the place into mud fields and Mm. deer are not gonna, they're not gonna spend much time in those fields because they're, it's just that much harder to find food. So what we had actually was this one field that was untouched. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't do any anhydrous there and it was uh it was corn which is is really the the nice thing to be on in the late season as opposed to you know the cut bean fields those beans are a little bit more susceptible to moisture changes and so if they're sitting on the ground and it's getting snowy they're going to be getting all nasty and everything whereas the corn is a little bit more resilient to that and uh the corn just provides more you know carbohydrate for burning the furnace you know to yes. stay warm yes and uh the the deer are going to hit that. And we had one of those areas. It was a small field. Um, it was a cornfield, and it hadn't been turned over. Mm. And you should have seen the path that deer had beat into the ground. They were coming probably about a half mile uh, that they were traveling. And uh, they were coming from a really good thermal bedding area up on a south-facing slope. Mm-hmm which is another key area to look for this time of year. Think like a shed hunter, right? And yeah. And they had beat this well-worn path into the ground for that half mile. Jake actually drove by when he went and hunted the late muzzleloader there and took a picture of that path just because it was so pronounced. And uh, while we were hunting in that earlier December gun season, uh, we just watched as deer filed into that field at last light. That was where they were all headed, and mm-hmm. it just made it just made sense, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. find that hot sign, and oh, and also, I found a giant shed, second biggest shed I've ever found. I found oh, nice. right on the edge of that field a few months later, just showing how much time deer were spending in that field because it met those basic needs. And so, you know, follow the hot sign, look for the footsteps, look for the trails, right? Look for where deer yeah. want to be. And, uh, you know, it's going to be confirmed as well as Brandon was talking about on the cameras. That's going to, mm-hmm. it's just going to, you know, it's just going to show you that the deer are there where, where they should be yeah. based on logic, right. right. Based on common sense. So yeah. man, ton of great stuff 
tips in this one for you. I'm excited for you yeah. to listen to this one, not because we're such geniuses, but this is all great stuff that's been <laughs> that's been yes. passed on to us from others and mm-hmm. and right. things that we've had to learn through the school of hard knocks. And I think it's just gonna, yep. you know, as you're tuning into this, you can apply some of this stuff right away, or in a month here, or a month, or maybe even two months, you know, and uh, hopefully uh, get the ever elusive whitetail butt buck tag filled for yourself so yeah uh, excited for you there but man what a good one brandon thanks so yeah, much for fun for sharing your uh, sagely wisdom here with uh, not just our <laughs> listeners but with me as well oh it's been awesome yeah for sure it's been just good to catch up glad no one's puking or uh, uh getting any more <laughs> sick than what we uh, already are but yeah <laughs> Yeah, if you hear a few sniffles and that in here, I'm I'm sorry, people. I'm trying to trying to keep it down, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're we're... doing great. And hopefully, you know, we'll have some more updates coming up. Maybe I'll have a. Uh, I'm planning on taking my uh, my son squirrel hunting on uh, Thanksgiving. Awesome. So you know, so introducing be him to the tradition. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I really, you know, I, I want to do more of that. You know, I'm almost, I almost, I almost miss the way that I grew up hunting in the sense that, you know, when I grew up hunting, I think we've talked about this before, I, we just hunted everything. You know what I mean? I mean, if it yes. was in season, I mean, and what, what the benefit was, you just enjoyed it. The downside was we, we were never, you know, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have ever really considered myself a great hunter at something specific. I mean, I was, I was a pretty good duck hunter. I was a pretty good goose hunter. I was a pretty good rabbit hunter, pretty good squirrel hunter, you know, a pretty good deer hunter. But I, you know, but now it's like, well, now I'm focusing on deer all the time for the most part. And that's great. But, but then, you know, every time I go out squirrel hunting or something like that, I'm like, man, I miss that, man. That was right. What, that was, there's a lot of good memories with that, you know? Yep. Yep. That is, that is uh, so true. And, um, there's just there's just so much more about the woods that you can enjoy than yes. just you know setting your sights on that one thing like you said there's there's so yes. many things that that can give you new purpose to be outside you know one of my best days I've ever had and you guys know how obsessed I am with deer hunting one of the best days I ever had in the woods was last year when I went squirrel hunting with my good friend uh luke fritch yeah and uh shot my first squirrel we found mm-hmm. that dead buck with uh the matching uh set of yes. sheds right by him you know five yards away you mm-hmm. know that was th- that that's up there with my very best days in the deer woods you know deer hunting you know that yeah that, it was just a great time and and the excitement around that yeah very well said so get out there enjoy it all but yes, you know, also put your stand in the right place, which may not actually be a stand, as we said, you know, could be part of that whole <laughs> That's misnomer. Right. Yes. <laughs> but yes. click, click everything together as it makes sense. You know, build on your your uh, your repertoire of experiences that are going to come back to to help you down the road and uh, anticipate yes. those days of getting even better. And uh, you know, more importantly than that, make sure you. Uh, keep following along here with first gen hunter as we keep giving you more tips and uh maybe not more importantly than that i shouldn't say it that way but also <laughs> important you keep following along with yes. us get over to thehuntfishlife.com check them out get on their facebook page see all the good stuff see uh the nice 
nine point, beautiful nine point buck that uh, Brandon's brother Miles just uh, tagged. And, yep. uh, you know, head over to uh, check out Alex Gruen's stuff, alexgruen.com. Of course, don't forget that promo code. Man, am I soaking up the benefits of being a customer of east to west hunts um we got this yes. bear hunt planned and it's looking really good and really exciting nice. and alex is just rolling in all these details to me and it's just awesome so make sure you head over there use the promo code first gen 10 save yourself some bucks on uh that service and then of course head over to firstgenhunter.com check me out there get on social media go wild instagram facebook whatever Follow along, see all the cool stuff that goes up that way. Should have some more articles coming before too long here again as uh, the school year kind of calms down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully we can get this podcast going up every week again here soon as well. Yeah, definitely. Got some uh, cool guys I'm in talks with here that that should be uh, some really good interviews coming up. But truly, more important than everything that was said before, I really mean it this time. Mm. Take care. And take someone hunting.